All right, so today our sermon comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. So if you are in a place um, that you're able to bring out your Bible or pull your Bible up on a Bible app, or um, it would be time to pull up Matthew 6, 5 through 8. It's a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but if you are in a car driving, you don't need to do that. It's just not important for us right now because I'm going to be talking about it anyway. Um, there is a value um, as far as the ability to open up the Bible and to see the text and to be able to circle things and um, to actually see it um, and hold on to things. Uh, so if you are in the car, um, it would be cool after you got home to be able to, to go to the Bible, open it up and see these passages, especially because it's on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, God is found in some really brilliant places, but then there are times that, that God is just on full display. And a time that he's on full display is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, on this topic of, of things um, that are found and things that are secret, on the things that are hidden, um, there is this idea of the poetry of prayer. And, and today's topic is, is prayer. As you're in this passage, uh, there's this, this theme of Jesus talking about prayer, things that are seen, things that are unseen, things that are found, things that are hidden. Um, this is our, our heartbeat today. And sitting in this passage, and that's kind of the goal that I had, it was to sit in this passage, experience the passage, and then to talk about this passage. Uh, the first thing that came had been this experience that I had in college of um, this guy who was from Chicago. It was 2 a.m. and um, I just heard these sounds coming from the dorm across the hall. And um, it was like, I, I can't even describe the sounds, but, but I don't like sleep that heavy. Um, I'm kind of always paying attention even in my sleep. And there are these sounds coming. I was like, oh my gosh, can he just be quiet? And it, it was like at 2 a.m. And I'm going to a Christian college um, because I'm, I'm having this goal of becoming a pastor and um, the door is cracked open just a bit and um, I, I, I open the door a bit and I'm like snooping. You can't tell anybody this. This is just between us. Okay, so I, I crack the door just a bit and this guy is dancing like full-on hip-hop, throw-down, and he was really good, like really, really good. And he's like throwing his body all over his dorm room, and then his hands are in the air, and he has these headphones on. And of course, the only thing that I'm hearing from the other space had been the sound of his body moving all over his dorm room. I couldn't hear anything else, and that's how how like active and that he had been into this dancing. And I just stood there and observed it because I haven't ever seen this guy dance. I don't know if I at that point ever seen anyone dance really. And I was just like, wow, what are you? And then he saw me, right? And then he saw me. And 
I was busted. I was caught. But at the same time, he was busted. He was caught. And he was embarrassed. The following day, he pulled me aside and he said, this is the thing I do for God. Um, and, and that had been the first time that I encountered something from someone who did something for God or participated in the things that God had been doing, but he was doing it in secret because he pulled me aside and said, please don't tell anybody. I haven't, I, I haven't done this for people. I don't dance. Like this is what God and I do together. And I'm embarrassed to have people find out. Um, it, 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 it was kind of like the secret that he had. And it was from that experience that I thought, man, this secret thing that Terrence and God have is really incredible. And so from that point on, every time I heard those sounds, I felt kind of like I didn't have to go over there. I could see in my head Terrence dancing and feeling like, oh, he and God have something really special right now in the secret place that they have encountered. There is this, um, this thing that, that people in the church tend to ask. It's like the icebreaker. It's, it's something that begins the conversation for people. And I've been in big groups that somebody says, who has a God sighting or who has something that they've seen God doing? And, and, um, and it typically for the first part of it, it's crickets. It's, it's you don't hear a whole bunch and then someone will say something and it'll be like, wow, that's amazing. But it kind of paints this picture of like God is hard to find. He's hiding. He's in the cracks and crevices of our daily experiences. And who has spotted God? Uh and there's something to that. It's kind of like how people um, from the East Coast come. And all of us have these people. Uh, they come here to vacation, but um, and it'll be in the sp spring. And they'll say, hey, I've heard that, that there's a ton of bull elk here. Um, or, or something like, can you take me to Estes to show me elk? And... Um, and the pictures that they have are the elk in September. Um, the times that the bulls come down and they are in their full glory grown out and they are bugling and there's steam coming from them as they bugle. And I'm going to start crying talking about bulls, you know, but they're coming in April and, and they come in April and they're like, Oh, I want to go to Estes park. Show me the elk. And it's like, I can't show you a bull in April because they're in their secret spaces. And th th they are like these bulls in February, they go apart from the herd and they shed their antlers and their antlers fall to the ground. And, you know, poetically speaking, their identity is in the antlers, how big they are, who they, I mean, like how you differentiate elk, it's by their antlers. And in February, they fall to the ground and the elk go off by themselves. 
to survive and they go off by themselves to prove that they can take care of themselves and they go off by themselves to grow their antlers back and people don't see them again until it's time for them to show what they got. But what's really cool about elk and deer is they don't know, they themselves have no idea how big they are. They can't see their antlers, but they know who they are by the end of that season, that time of being in solitude, that time of being by themselves, that time of being in these places that people actually call hell holes. The bulls shed, shed in hell holes and they grow in hell holes. And it's a really incredible experience. There's something to be said about the things that happen in secret. These, these places um, of, of hidden experience, the places that the bulls come from, the, the, the place, the dorm rooms that Terrence dances in. Um, this is the place that Jesus focuses his sermon in. I have a place because I believe in hidden secret places um, that, that I call the secret cabin. And I, I built the secret cabin to be able to control the environment that I thrive in. It's the outdoors, it's the cabin experience, it's, it's the, the outside impacts greatly the inside. And so I, I pray in my secret cabin, I do my sermons in the secret cabin, and I cry and encounter God in the secret cabin. And today's sermon comes from the secret cabin. I come out feeling like I finally have antlers and a bugle that has value. Um, and that brings us to our passage. So I hope that during this whole intro that was gigantic that you finally got there. Uh, so chapter six, verses five through eight, here it is. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they to think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So that's our passage today. It's all on prayer. And and there are a couple themes that I'm going to point out before we dive into it. And the, the big theme is being seen and who sees you. The other theme is prayer and this idea that prayer brings us to a place of being seen. And then who is seeing those who pray and then reward? Why are you being seen, right? So, so, so we have this idea of being seen. And then we have this idea of, of prayer being the vehicle of being seen and then the reward of prayer. And these are the things that are going to hold today's uh, topic together. Uh, 
but also our heart together. At the centerpiece of this passage is this idea that people have a desire to be seen. Uh, People have a desire to be heard. And in fact, in this passage, it kind of draws this comparing and contrasting between uh, someone who is being seen by people, being seen in the public, and those being seen by God. And it's assuming that people desire to be seen by God over being seen by people. And so why is that? And If you sit and you think and you explore your heart at the the very at the very center of it, there is this potent desire to be seen by your father, to talk to your father, to be affirmed by your father, and to sit in your father's presence. If you spend enough time there, that's the place you will get to. I just want to talk and be with God. This is how it had been from the very beginning. Like you think about it, like the very beginning of the Bible, God creates Adam and Eve and it's just them and God. And where are Adam and Eve and God? They're in a garden and, and there are these these ideas that God and Adam and Eve, they would stroll through the garden together talking. They would go on hillsides together talking. They would go up high in the heights of, you know, and climb together. And God would show Adam, you know, all of this, like from the mountaintops, God and Adam, God and Eve, God and people. And there was this idea of like, man, God sees, I mean, even after Adam and Eve sinned, God comes and says, where are you? As if God can't see them. As if that was the first time they could not be seen. There's this idea that that, that the human heart, the human experience, the human purpose is to be seen by God and to be in conversation with God. And there's a desire for that. There is a profound desire to be in the garden. There is a profound desire to be on the hillsides and having God talk to us. There is this profound desire to climb up an adventure to see all that's below. And God's saying, I want to bless you to go back to the garden, to go back to things, to go back to the origin of the human heart, soul, and experience, and to be seen by our Father is deeply rooted inside of us. And it should not come as a surprise that like the Hebrew people have built this culture around being seen. So this sermon that Jesus is giving and this specific passage about prayer, he's talking to a culture of people who have derived prayer as something to be seen. It's a spectacle. And so, um, so thinking about today, Day and this idea of don't go and pray in the synagogues for all to see you, or don't don't go on the sh- the corner of the street so people can see you. We don't do that. That isn't our thing. But there's a similar heart, and and so 
the Hebrew people, they did pray in the synagogues and they did pray out in public. And in fact, they celebrated it. It was something they would practice uh, because, because praying to the creator of the universe is like this idea that God is like this far off, you know, like he's really far. And if I have a desire for him to see me, I am going to show up and show up big. And they turn their prayers into songs and they would, they would dress up and they would go outside and they would perform these prayers. And like they would sing them and belt them out. The, the Hebrew people would have a call to prayer and, and they all, during certain times, they would all come out and pray and pray together to be seen kind of almost like a, hey God, are you out there? Do you see me? Do you hear me? Where are you? This, you know, shooting up something in the sky. And if it's big enough, maybe God will turn his head towards you. Furthermore, this idea of prayer, it took it from being this, this idea of a conversation and talking to God to this uh, performance before God and a performance before people. And people began to think in this culture of, if I pray, here's how it has to be. Um, and for some of us who are just bad at singing, I mean, like, you can't pray. Like, it was like that kind of idea. And, and so the Pharisees and Sadducees began to be the voice of prayer for the common people who were off by themselves in their jobs. Prayer became something that was a professional thing to do. And Jesus is talking to this culture, this culture that says prayer is public, prayer is professional, and prayer is something to grab the attention of the public and the attention of God. And so notice um, a short dichotomy in this passage. First of all, he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So, Sermon on the Mount, brief dichotomy, and begin to draw these poetic ties. So, do not be like the hypocrites who pray in the synagogues and on the streets. Jesus is giving the sermon that that is called the most famous sermon to ever be given by, it was like a sermon by God. If God came to earth, how would he give his sermon? And he did it on a hillside. It was like he is bringing people out of the city. He's bringing people out of the things built by human hands, and he's bringing them back to the hillsides, the places the conversation began between God and people. And he begins his thing on prayer by saying, do not be like the hypocrites who pray in the synagogues, who pray on the streets. It's this pulling out of the things created by people, their temples. 
and he's bringing people to the hillsides, and he's bringing people into the place that their heart desires, and he's giving this sermon that is a part of the Kingdom Culture series, okay? Like, so, so the point of this whole sermon series is to talk about the culture of the kingdom, that if heaven crashed into earth today, here's what it would be like. This is what the kingdom would be. And so this sermon, it began as far as Jesus talking to the crowd and the commoner and saying, blessed are you. Blessed are you who are hurting. Blessed are you who are in despair. Blessed are you who are sad. Blessed are you who are broken. Blessed are you. And he's like affirming, 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 picking up, holding up. You know, here's the things that the kingdom sees. You are seen. And then his tone changed. And it's as if there's a different person who entered the crowd. Um, Because you have to think this sermon is happening over time and people are gathering on the hillsides and the Pharisees began to show up. And then the tone of this sermon changes. And he talks about adultery, but he just doesn't talk about adultery. He talks about adultery from, yes, there are people who are having it, but those who haven't had it, but have had the desire uh, to have it. You are just as guilty. And it's like he's talking to the common people, but then the Pharisees, you know, and he's been going back and forth, back and forth, confronting the Pharisees, people, Pharisees, people. And it's just been incredible. And then he comes to this place on fasting, on prayer, on giving to the poor. And he begins to come back to the heart of the kingdom here. And he's talking to two people groups. This is, you know, you have the farmers, you have the cattlemen, you have uh, the the art and the potters, and then you have the Pharisees, the holy people, the, the people have, who have turned church into a profession. And you can almost like see him talking to the everyday person, and the Pharisees are over here, and he's like, do not be, be like the hypocrites. <laughs> and, and his hand goes out to them who pray in the synagogues and on the street corners because I tell you that they have been seen and they have gotten their reward in full. Because their goal has been to be seen. And this idea of prayer is to be seen. But the question that, that the heart is begging is who is seeing me? And to be seen in public and be seen by people, you will never have enough. You will never have enough of being seen by people because your heart's desire is not to be seen by people, but it's to be seen by God. And so you have the Pharisees who are seen by people and Jesus says, hey, if that's your goal, you have got it. Well done. But you, (laughs) but you, if you really want to engage the heart of God, go in secret. There is something really beautiful there. I actually heard this this poem from a, a, a famous poet who said, if you want to go on a great pilgrimage, go in a closet and hide. 
And I thought, wow, what would it be like to go into a closet and sit there for days on end until I encounter God? That'd be brilliant. Go out and try it. No, just kidding. Or you could. And I want to hear all about it. Take me out for coffee and tell me your story. So the passage continues. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus shifts this focus from the things that are seen and the things that are unseen. And it's almost like there's this value of if you have a desire to talk to God, if you have a desire to be seen by God, then do it. But if you have a desire to be seen by people, if you have a desire to be esteemed in public, then do it. But if you have a desire to be seen by God, let me show you where he is. That's what's happening here. Let me show you. And it's in the most intimate of places. It's the most quiet of places. It's the most unpublic of places. It's the most unprepared of places. In fact, it's this idea that he's saying, go by yourself. Go by yourself and be with God. And who is he talking to? He is talking to the people who are by themselves, right? Like the everyday people in this culture, they are the potters who do pottery by themselves. The, 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 they are the farmers who are farming their fields by themselves. They are the people who own shops. And, and I mean, like by themselves, like what he is doing is he's bringing prayer and the experience of God to everyone who is by themselves begging to be seen by God out of the hands of the professional people who have turned prayer into a public spectacle, a show, a song, a parade, a day, a holiday. This idea of God and you is something that takes place in the shower. This, this thing that happens between God and you is something that happens before the sun comes up and you are still in, bread, in bed and you say, God, are you there today? <laughs> you know, like this is, this is the place. This is the thing where you are. And in fact, something that's really beautiful about this vocabulary that he says the term closet, like, like go home and go in your closet. The J Jewish people um, have this thing called a prayer shah. And the, the Hebrew term for prayer shah is talit. Um, this is a, a big piece of cloth that has four corners. And the four corners are symbolic for the four corners of the earth. And, and from those four corners, there are tassels at the end. And the tassels are symbolic for the promises of God. And the um, term for this prayer shah is the same as closet. 
And Jesus uses his term closet to hold hands to the term closet. Um, It's the, do you go in a closet, a physical closet to pray? Yep. Do you go in your prayer shawl to pray? Yep. Uh, They are the same thing to Jesus. They hold the same posture because to take this prayer shawl, the thing that they would do is they would put it over their head and cover their faces. So, So every time that call to prayer happens, the people who are praying are unseen. You can't tell who's praying. They are hiding their identity. And then they take those the, the, those corners and those tassels and they grab them together and they pray the promises of God. Um, these are the things that God has told me. These are the promises of God that his kingdom will come. Like it's this prayer and they're in identity and like, This is the prayer of their heart that things will be as he had promised. This is brilliant. Thinking about the desire of our heart, prayer promises, going in a closet, going in our proverbial closet, and just the poetry of being seen by our Father. The passage continues continues on by talking about the pagans. Check it out. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask them. All right, check this out. So the pagans, he isn't pointing at the, the, the Sadducees and Pharisees at this point. He's talking about a whole other people group. Like they are a part of the empire at this time. And the pagans are people who don't know the Hebrew God. Uh, it's, it's, it's the people who pray to Zeus and Athena and all the other, you know, gods of the empire. And they are a very academic, heady, uh, public people. Um, who, if anyone enjoyed a big show, it would be them. And so the pagans, they would prepare these great, articulate, brainy, heady prayers that were perfect. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Because they're doing it because they don't believe that God is actually hearing them. And the better their prayers are, the more articulate, the more more accurate, the more uh, their theology hits home, the more of the potential that God is going to hear them. If I just knew how to pray, if I said the right things, give me a prayer, tell me what to say every day. Like that's the heartbeat of it. Show me how to pray. Tell Tell me what to do. And he says, no, don't be like them because the desire of their prayer is coming from a place that says, do you see me? (laughs) Like, can you hear me? I am the tiny guy out here on earth. And he turns that corner and he says, but you who pray in secret, your father already knows before you ask. You don't have to say a word. 
coming back, it's this idea of saying, you who pray in secret, you who pursue the heart of God, you who have come to the hillside, he sees you. If the desire of prayer is to be seen by God, if the desire of prayer is to come back to the hillsides, to come back to the garden, to, to have God say, where are you? And you say, I'm right here. If our desire is to be taken by the hand of God to go up to the heights and to be shown his promises for us, this passage, it ends by saying, if you show up, you are seen, and this is your reward. It isn't surprising at all. It is not surprising at all to think about the sermon that Jesus gives on prayer, because he actually does it. He, all throughout the Gospels, he's going on this prayer journey and he gets up early and goes to the gardens. He gets up early and goes to the hillsides to find God. He climbs a mountain uh, and stays there till the sun goes down to encounter his father. Why? Because this is the place it all began. The gardens, the hillsides, the mountains. There is great poetry here. And the thing that's cool is the intimacy that happens in those places are not, it's not told about, but Jesus comes down and Jesus comes down to give sermons and Jesus goes out to then say, here's what God is saying. Here's what's going on. Here's the gospel. Because there is a time that September happens and the bull elk who has been in the hell holes, who have been in secret, they, they get up and their bodies are like, it's time. And they're, they are huge and on full display and they have not bugled in a year and they feel this fire in their belly of saying, it is time to show them what I've got. Because there is a time for things in public if inspired by the Spirit, but they come from places that take place in the secret cabin, that take place in the dorm room that Terrence danced in. That, ugh, talk about a holy place. So Terrence today is a professional dancer in Chicago. And he, I mean, this is what he does for a full-time job and makes hundreds of thousands of dollars dancing. And you can see his smile like, I was made to do this and it was born in secret and I encountered God to do what I do. The ability to keep things between God and you at times is really beautiful. Uh, there are times that I, uh, so if I have people say, hey, pray for me, can you be praying? The thing I'll do is I'll take a piece of paper and I will jot down, you know, who they are, um, how I'm going to be praying for them. And then I'll keep them in the pocket that I have. And so every time I put my hands in my pocket, it's like, oh, I got to pray for yada, yada. And I'm going to, and 
the gift of being able to pray for somebody isn't that I, I should pray for someone because God enjoys the fact that I pray for someone. It is this idea that I'm praying for someone. I am joining in the story of God and what he is doing for that person. And I am, am bearing that person's story. And that in and of itself is a gift to be able to participate in the things that God is doing. There's a friend that I have that, that, that she will be out doing things. And if God tells her to pray for someone, she has this like hand thing that she does. Uh, that It's just like, she will be out and she'll be hiking. And then like God will say, hey, pray for her. And she will pause in that. And she creates this secret space in time and pauses and she prays for them and then continues apart and continues on her day. Um, there are people who have created spaces at, at home that that's their prayer spot or holy spots or the intention that goes beyond. I pray beyond the idea of just praying for my food in public. I go beyond uh, you know what I mean? Like there is a gift to be had to join in the things that God is doing because the act of prayer itself, it's to join with the heart of God and bearing the burdens of your friends and your family. And God gets to show you things that you have not seen because you who pray in secret, God already knows and has more to show you. If you have a desire to be seen by God, good news, you are. But coming to God in prayer, in secret, in solitude, gives you the opportunity to see him. This is why the idea of God's sightings drive me crazy. That that idea of, has anyone had a God sighting? Because God is doing things. God is always doing things. God is here. But the question of prayer begs you to answer, are you here? Did you show up? Did you pursue the presence of God? Because when you do, you see God doing what God does all the time. And the gift of prayer is the desire of your heart to be seen and to be heard by the Father and to go back to the garden and to go back to the hillside. So blessed are you who pray in secret because your Father sees you. Please pray with me. Jesus, Thank you for the gift that you have given us to see our heart, to see our desire, to see how things aren't as they should be, and for giving us a path home. Inspire inside of us a desire to be in your presence, to come back to the hillside, to sit in the garden as it had been in the beginning. In Christ I pray, amen.